Hi, I'm Rob Langton from Development Ready. Our interview series delves into the lives of Australia's most respected property thought leaders and decision makers and uncovers what makes them tick. This is the interview. Our next guest this morning is Mark Stevens, founder and managing director of Kokoda Property Group. Mark, thanks for your time this morning. Before we get into the property side of things, what were you doing in your early career prior to your involvement within property? Early days for uh, me was studying accounting and then I started in the retail game. So my first job out of university was Country Road Clothing. After that, Roger David, and then after that, Jeans West. So I became a retailer by default. Um, and learnt my craft in accounting. Nice. And uh, and what have you seen from a uh, from a being a former retailer? What are you seeing in the retail space at the moment? How's it changed since uh, since you were involved in the nineties? Don't own one. Um, hard work, small margins, a lot of competition, um, a lot of pressure on rents. Um, it's just difficult. You know, a lot of a lot of overhead in terms of people, um, small margins in in clothing particularly and you can live and die by your season. And you founded Kokoda Property Group in 1997. Where did the interest in, in property development come from and, and what were some of the early projects that, that you were developing in, in that period of time? The motivation to leave retail, you know, at that time I was a senior person at uh, Jeansworth Clothing and I was really uh, at a point in my life where I wanted to take control of something and, and I had the choice of going into property or other asset classes and probably was something that I kind of just had a general interest in because um, you can see it being created. So I really started as a, uh, a, a, as a young guy trying to learn you know, where to buy, how to buy it, how to raise money, how to get debt, what to renovate, what not to renovate. So it was real morphing from, I knew what I didn't want to do and I realised that was retail and I kind of knew what I wanted to do and I thought that was property and so I went on a bit of a search. And what are some of the early projects you developed? I think you were doing sort of luxury home builds in, in the eastern suburbs here in Melbourne. It started out as townhouses in the outer east. Uh, Burwood, Ashburton um, was, was where I started the craft of understanding you know, how, to, how to construct something and how to renovate something. Then as I became fascinated with architecture particularly uh, and the creativity process, I got involved in more luxury houses uh, understood that and then came in closer to the Melbourne CBD. So I was in Canterbury, Baldwin and areas like that. And then eventually morphed into Turak and South Yarra um, and really enjoyed the creative process, but understood that there may not have been the return that I was hoping for. Um, and, and then started to realise that, you know, um, I need to look for an alternative solution. And take us through the, the past, say, 23 years of the company. How's it evolved over the 23 years and, and who's involved in the business today? The business is really punctuated by 2008. So the work that we did prior to 2008 and the work that we did post. Prior to 2008, we used to build a beautiful house. Um, that was the display, effectively. Um, 2008 came along and changed the world uh, in, in so many ways then all we really did was bring forward the, the, the off the plan concept and you know what we were building at the end of the project um, had to be all of a sudden morphed into what we were going to build uh, and then we changed from high-end uh, residential luxury houses to what I'd call boutique developments and we had to sell the dream. We had to, we had to communicate to the customers if we'd built it and bring that forward in our marketing. So that's what's transpired. 
And take us through some of the projects you've got underway at the moment. We're in the uh, display suite of, of your next project here in Malvern. What's the scope? What are you trying to achieve with this development? Yeah, so here at Malvern, um, we bought a site that's just over an acre, um, and it's going to be a really mixed use site. Um, we've got about an acre of retail on the ground floor plane. Um, we'll, we're, we're abutting two major roads, uh, Glen Ferry and Danong roads. It's going to be uh, uh, a mixture of retail uses, um, a pub, a uh, gastro pub, and then above that will be it'll be sort of designed with two apartment buildings above it. Uh, one's a smaller one, one's a larger one and they'll all have aspects to the bay, the, um, the city, as well as the, the, the mountains. And it'll cater for largely um, owner-occupiers all the way up to empty nesters. And how did this opportunity come about? I mean, was it a, a site that you sort of had your eye on for some time when you purchased it? I think it was 2017 when you did purchase it, or were you just sort of uh, in the mode of, of acquisition and it, and it came online and, and you snapped it up? We're in acquisition mode. Uh, it was advertised through Collier, so we went through a full EOI campaign um, and, 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 and had bought it from the then vendor, Mark Roseland, Xtol. Uh, Mark had collected a variety of sites over a period of 10 years and um, had put together the, 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 the intent of doing a, a large-scale development. Um, and I guess we just went through the process of making sure that we got the right architects involved, the right interior people dissolved, the, 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 the right intent. Um, and, and develop the site into you know what's now going to be 265 apartments, an acre of retail, and you know, and fabulous sort of customer experience with with what's on offer. And uh, where you went with the sales process at the moment? I think we were mentioning off camera you've uh, you've been pretty successful already. Where's the project at now? Of the 265 available for sale, we've sold 130, um, so just over, you know, just on halfway through. Um, looking at a um, we're just opening up after COVID, so we expect to sell the balance of those on the way through um, as we start construction in the next sort of month or so. Um, we've had good take up. Uh, I think it's been a challenging six months uh, for any developer, not just Kokoda, um, to get those sold, but we're seeing the market come back now. Now, you're one of the few developers, it would seem, that develops properties here in Victoria, but also crosses state boundaries and, and develops in Queensland. Why do you see opportunity in, in other states and, and how difficult is it to have projects on the go in under, other states when you when you live in, in Victoria? Look, I guess we, 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 we started to get itchy feet about six years ago uh, and wanted to go and look a, a, a abroad. And that, the, our definition of that was either in Sydney or in um, Queensland. We originally offered on a couple of sites in Sydney uh, and were unsuccessful. And then as a couple of sites had come up in um, in Brisbane, we, we, we took the, up the opportunity. Our motivation was really to look at and find new ways to develop. We'd done over hundred projects in, in Melbourne and we're looking for new opportunities and new experiences and fundamentally new lessons. So we, we, we took that up, we took that as the opportunity to develop a project in Brisbane that we felt like had an amazing amenity um, just the quality of architecture and the quality of offering just wasn't on offer in, in Brisbane. And we felt that we could bring to it that it's something we'd done in Melbourne for years um, and, and offer the customer something that hadn't been offered. A common theme throughout all of your developments, it seems, and, and the homes that you did prior to, um, to sort of apartment developments is, as you said, the need for, for quality and craftsmanship. Where, did, where does that come from? Is, it, is that something you've always sort of had a, an eye on? Have you always been particular about, you know, having attention to detail and, and using the right materials? 
early days when we were doing those luxury houses in um, inner suburbs of Melbourne, I was fascinated with um, classical architecture and uh, some of the architects' interior designs we used were were fastidious about detail uh, and textures and surfaces and things like that. So that became ingrained in what I really love and what I, you know, I love the creative process. So to take something that I'd learnt previously uh, and embed that in as best we could into high scale you know, or high density development, that was something that, that, that I think is something that comes through. So, you know, so every one of our apartments has oak floors, marble tops and meal appliances. That, that, that happens in a house in Trekworth 10 million. So, it's, um, it's, it's imperative, I think, to give to the, you don't need to be wealthy to own quality. And what about the, the, the sector at the moment? I mean, you've been in the game for, for over 23 years now. How have you seen it? I mean, is it a lot more competitive now to, to, you know, 25 years ago, say? Look, I think we've had two significant market corrections in that period of time. We've had 2008 and we've had what's happened in COVID in the last you know, six months, literally. Um, and two things have impacted the market, I, I think, significantly in that period of time. I think buying the sites always remains fundamental. You know, you, you, we have a saying in our business, the profit is in the purchase. Um, but outside of that, there's, there's two things that have impacted it. There's debt, uh, and the banks have retracted. In 2008, they retracted. Um, and again, four or five years ago, when APRA stepped in and said, you know, any significant deals above 100 million, um, you're going to find it difficult to get debt that causes to go overseas to get to get our debt. And the other thing that's really changed in the last um, few years is the government's view on foreign purchases you know, and, and, and effectively penalising anybody who's from abroad with a higher rate of stamp duty, which has impacted sales. So the market has changed. I think there's fewer developers in the market today than there ever has been, um, merely because it's hard to get debt coverage, um, get sales uh, and get your project going. Now, this site here, I think you mentioned um, earlier, was, was purchased on market. Do you have a preference for on market or, or off market, or are you seeing any opportunities in, in one mode of sale as opposed to the other? You know, if you buy on, on market, you certainly understand the competitiveness of, of you know, and I think you're buying it uh, what you deem to be good value uh, if you transact. If you buy off market, there's always a risk of some of the unknown. Um, yeah, I think off market provides the opportunity for longer DDs effectively. Um, on market, you, you, in a competitive environment, you don't get that opportunity, generally speaking. Um, but either way, it, it, it doesn't matter. If you know what you're doing, you, you should be right. You've partnered with um, lenders such as Goldman Sachs from, from overseas, as opposed to, in some instances, domestic banks. Is there one or the other that you prefer, or is one or the other more competitive, or is it sort of all done on a project-by-project project basis? You know, lending is a thing like buyers that comes and goes, fits and starts. Um, Goldman Sachs were, you know, really good to Kokoda when we found it hard to get debt from a local Australian bank, um, you know, four years ago when we needed to get that debt because of rules had changed. Um, it is, you know, it, it's way more competitive to borrow locally than it is going to be to borrow abroad. But um, if you've got a business that's a going concern and you need to continue to operate, then sometimes these are the options that are available to you. What do you think are the, the key considerations that buyers make when looking at your developments over others? Uh, a buyer goes through a variety of decisions to, to purchase, whether it be from us or, or, or anybody else. Um, I think what's key is, uh, is the value proposition you know, better or worse than somebody else? So the quality that we offer, is that comparable? Is it better? Is it worse? Uh, is it good value? 
Um, consumers today are way more in tune with what's important to them. You know, it'll be access, it'll be amenity, it'll be education, it'll be healthcare, it'll be all those things and does your project offer that? So it's not just necessarily what the building is offering or the metre rate that you're offering or the price point, but it's also what's, you know, what amenity you're immediately offering to make the lifestyle of that buyer better than what they currently have. There's been what would seem like consolidation within the construction sector at the moment. With everything that's happened this year, have you seen construction prices come down at all, or at least are uh, attenders becoming more competitive between builders? Um, interesting enough, I think builders that are uh, keen to get the work certainly give the message at the very beginning we're keen to do it and, and we'll work with them. No, there certainly are those in the marketplace. Um, but I've had the same experience in Brisbane as I have had in Victoria. Um, prices uh, don't seem to be coming down. At the moment, they're not going up. Uh, I think they're coming off marginally. I don't think it's significant. Uh, nothing that would sort of impact the FISO uh, more than you would have anticipated. Um, but yeah, no, I just think it's, um, it's, it's a place at the moment that, that, that build prices um, are staying where they are. And I think they'll come back up. I, th I think that's, that's you know, as more developers come back into the marketplace, there'll be more demand and, and, and that'll be the story. And when you are selecting a builder, I mean, obviously yeah. quality is so important to, to the Kokoda Property yeah. Group brand. What do you look for in, in that relationship with your, with your builders or, or for that matter with your consultants and your partners and, and all those third parties? That's an imperative point for us to, to manage. We, we have a clause in our building contracts where we get to sign off on all the finishing trades. So even when we use builders like Hutchinson's as an example, um, our guys on the ground go to sign off on painters, renderers, so any finishing trade or any finished surface within the apartment, uh, we need to have a say in, in that process in order to make sure that we uphold the quality that we, that we promised, that we've marketed, that we said to somebody that this is what you're going to get. So um, yeah, we, we go to great extents internally to make sure that the quality that we deliver um, is consistent with the promise that we made. In terms of the business itself, wh what sort of culture have you have you built there and, and how important are, are le is leadership and leadership qualities for you? Development by nature is an entrepreneurial business. Um, you know, we take big risks, we buy sites, we hope to get a permit, we hope to sell it, we hope to construct it and we hope to deliver it. I mean, there's a lot of hopes in the, in the, in the, in the, in the delivery or the expectation of a, of a project. Um, that breeds a, uh, a certain quality of characteristics necessary to put up the pressure of what comes with development. Um, you know, every one of those facets, uh, there's, there's challenges that come their way. And I think leadership is trying to, as best you can, keep you cool in, you know, sometimes pretty intense situations. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, there's three things fundamentally in a, in, in a development. You've got to build them, you've got to fund them, and you've got to be able to sell them you'll always run into an issue in one of those three things. Um, so you need to navigate your way through those, that issue and, and, and how best to, and sometimes it's the heart, sometimes it's grind, sometimes it's easy, um, but it'll always be an issue. That's a, that's a given. And I think it was in back uh, back in 2017 when you brought Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, uh, out to Australia for a for a conference on on sort of strategy and leadership. Tell us why why you did that. What was the what was the impetus for for doing that? I'm fascinated with uh, entrepreneurs, particularly and and uh, particularly people in business that you know I consider successful because um, I'm big into learning. Uh, anything you can sort of garnish from somebody and, and apply it to your own business is, you know, is a real 
attribute, I think, and it's, I think it's something that's important to have in your business and in your culture. Um, so I really wanted to get somebody who was left the field, uh, who really didn't understand anything about property development, but the skills are transferable. So you know, here's a guy that starts with a, uh, an Apple computer or, or the idea of it in a garage in, um, in, in, in San Francisco, wants to start up a business. Uh, he was the mechanic, if you like, and um, Jobs was the salesman. And he really imparted and shared his passion and his and, and his and the detail and for a guy that was I think Steve was close to 70 when we when he had him come out um, the passion just exuded you know he could talk about programming and uh, and hardware as if it was like yesterday uh, and and he talked about his work ethic you know he said he wouldn't go home until it was 4am in the morning um, and he shared that with the team and I thought it was important for our team to see what it takes to be successful and um, and and you know that after that you've got a choice to make so he was really um, good in uh, in having somebody that was that, that, that understood what it took to become successful in business, and to share that experience with our staff. And you know, we brought in our banks and some of our consultants as well um, to share that experience. It, it was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. We took the opportunity to share it with everybody. And who else do you look up to then, or or who else are you inspired by, either from an Australian business context or from an international perspective? The same time we had Steve come out, we also had uh, colleagues of uh, um, Simon Sinek attend. Um, and what was good about him was, you know, I don't know if you've seen the the, the Google talk that Sinek's uh, given, you know, 34 billion, billion uh, hits. Um, you know, he's been uh, fantastic to talk about the customer and what it meant for the customer. Um, so, we, you know, David came out and gave his presentation and again shared it with the team. Um, I think that those sort of guys are, are really inspirational. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer of um, authenticity and, you know, and modesty. Um, I follow, I'm a big believer of Buffett. I, I follow that, 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 that profile of, of person. I think there's a lot to say about how they go about conducting themselves. It's, it's, it's not a lot of show and go. It's about what they stand in, you know, and, and, you, and you'll get to, they exude that, um, that quality. And I think that's something that's important in business. I think to, to be, authentic, um, to learn, to look after your people, to look after your customer. Um, I think it's a, it's a fundamental attribute necess necessary in business. And you've built that within your business, it, it sounds like. It's only a spider with that. I mean, that's, you know, we, we don't get it perfect. Um, you know, there wouldn't be everybody that comes across our path that, that, that says they've had the best experience. Um, but we, we set standards for ourselves really high um, and we try to achieve those, you know, on a daily basis. Sometimes we, you know, I feel like we're trying to achieve the impossible sometimes, but, but uh, that kind of makes it fun and it makes it hard work and it, you know, and sometimes you wake up and you go, well, yeah, and this is kind of what we've done and, you know, against all odds. Um, but I think it's, it, it, it's nice to strive for something that you think is just beyond your grasp. Um, and that's something that we, you know, that we work at every day. And when you look at the market today, I mean, what, what's the biggest opportunity or, or what are the biggest challenges you say as an experienced developer, either in Victoria or in Queensland? You know, as our jobs have become larger, um, relationships have become more important and more fundamental to the success. And so relationships with banks, uh, relationships with consultants, relationships with your customer, and you know, relationships with sales agents, I think they become really good. And I think when we've, when we've tripped or faltered, I think the relationship, if you look a bit deeper, there's a relationship that's, that, that, that's tripped or faltered. Um, so we're cognizant of trying to hold those relationships 
at the highest level in the business. Um, and I think that becomes important to, you know, to the success of a business. You know, like I said, you'll, you'll always have one of the three things um, go awry and you'll look deep and you know, you'll find that something's gone you know, structurally broken down. And what, what inspires you? I mean, what, what keeps you coming to work, uh, building fantastic developments like this, taking your, your quality and, and the scope of the development to a next level, instead of just, you know, put it, throwing in the towel and saying, well, I've, I've had a great career, I might just mine back now. What keeps you motivated and, and going to work? You've got to have a, a systemic process and you've got to have a why that takes you further than just the next job. Um, I love learning. You know, I, I, like, I really enjoy business. I think that it's fascinating I, and I love to learn from people that have become very successful and you know, humble in their achievements. Um, that's the part that I enjoy the most. Uh, without a doubt, it comes with its challenges. Um, and you know, every time you sign on to a new, new, a new job, it's not about do I, do I want to do it, don't I want to do it. It's about what will this add to you know, a career that's already been 20 plus years. I think in our industry, you know, there's not a lot of long-term developers that have been successful over a long period of time. I think they've, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who have been in the business and have lasted between five and 10 years and said, this is hard work, I'm out. Um, so I think there's something to be written for, you know, uh, and, and something to be very proud of for being in the business for a long time. And presumably that, that's a, a real sort of drawing card as well for potential buyers that are coming into your developments, that you are an experienced development group, you're an experienced developer yourself. Is that a real sort of draw card for, for buyers, given you've got a proven track record? I think, it's, I think it's an important element of why a buyer might choose you over somebody else. I don't think it's a deciding thing. I, I, I think it's, that comes down to who you are as a business and your culture. Um, you know, whether you choose to not to buy from us or, 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 or you do on that particular day, we'll still do what we do and that's actually look after the buyer. You know, we often will, we will often go back uh, to apartments and, and assist with refurbishments and help uh, long after the builder's warranty is expired because we want to have a continued relationship with, with the buyer. And it seems that the sector that you're most uh, invested in and, and experienced in is apartment developments. Is there any, I know you've, you've also done a townhouse development in, in Morty Alec. Why, why do you focus on the residential, particular, particularly the apartment side, as opposed to potentially townhouses or office developments, industrial? Is that just your, your focus? Just the... uh, I think it's, look, you know, property's a bit of a slow moving beast. And I think, um, uh, I think we've stuck at what we've known and, 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 and tried to do that well. Um, you know, we, we're in the process, we've just acquired a pub where we're sitting here at the moment and, and we're looking at that and we're running that, we've been running that for 12 months. Um, that's looking like it's, it's going to be a positive um, add-on to the business. Will we do more of those? Possibly. I think it's just, uh, you know, we, we, looked at, we, we have looked at other sectors, we haven't invested in them as yet. Um, but we will slowly evolve and, and, and learn some other skill sets and add those in. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, that's what we've known. It's, it's our needing, it's our craft. I did ask you before about banks. I've just got a follow-up question to that. What, what would make you choose a, say, CBA over a non-bank lender, like a max cap for certain projects or vice versa? I know you've worked with both closely. Yeah. What do you look for in, in that relationship? Oh, look, I think if you ask that to any developer, they'd say we'd choose a major Australian bank before a. Uh, a, a, an alternative lender, 
um, merely because of the pricing. I mean, there's a significant, you know, second biggest cost to construction is interest. Um, and over that, after that's overhead. So, you know, but when you get to choose something like a MaxCap or, or another organisation, you've got to choose people that align with you, the same values. So they've got to make the, the, the transaction simple and easy. If they make it complicated, in a business that's already complicated, it's, it's, it's one stress you don't know. Reflecting on your career today, what would be the, the best and worst deal you've ever done, do you think? I think the best deal has come from the, from the worst experience. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we, we bought a site in Camberwell um, and it had some contamination. Um, we didn't have the experience as we probably ought to have um, at that time. Um, and so that became a, a cost of exercise. We, 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 we completed the job, but you know, certainly had some difficult times during the, during the development. Five sites after that Louis bought all had contamination. We knew how to deal with it and we were educated ourselves and they became really profitable jobs and successful projects. So, yeah, the good comes from the bad. What about, Mark, the, the person outside of work? What, yeah. what are your sort of hobbies? Are you into certain sports? What, what keeps you active outside of, uh, outside of this? I'm a, I'm a bit of an adrenaline freak. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy uh, motocross and you know, not really the typical sort of uh, developer. Um, yeah, I enjoy um, going to motocross tracks or anything that has an adrenaline charge to the um, fuel to it is, is something I do. I try to keep healthy when I can, um, but unfortunately there's an imbalance, you know, I work more than I than I socialise and um, and sometimes, you know, that's, that, that sort of pays the price. But yeah, I, I, I do like, um, you know, uh, motorsport. One final one, what's your outlook for uh, for 2021 and beyond? And then second part of that is, where, where do you take Kokoda Property Group next? Uh, I, look, I think there will continue to be opportunity by virtue of the fact that the void left by those that choose not to develop in the market, whether it be in uh, Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne. And I said, I think there's, there'll be plenty coming forward. Uh, I think there's been a, uh, a, a stagnant environment at the moment that's actually uh, created this void for future demand or to fill the future demand. Um, so we're really positive about what's, what, what is coming, uh, so we're, we're certainly in the process of trying to acquire more sites as we speak. Um, I, I, I think it's, you know, and the banks will open back up, I certainly see that at the moment. You know, we're about to do our first deal with Commonwealth Bank and haven't done a major Australian bank deal for three years. So I think that's a, a, that, that also gives you some inroad into, you know, what the future sort of holds. I did say final one, but, but this actually will be the final one. There'll be a lot of agents, commercial agents watching this in particular. Yeah. What's your mandate uh, either for the, re well, not for the rest of this year, but, but into next year and beyond? Are you actively in acquisition mode for, for sites or are you just sort of taking stock of, of what you've got underway? No, no, definitely. Look, as we speak, we're in uh, DD on two particular sites, um, in both in Melbourne. Um, and we're looking for, you know, we're gonna need to close out in the next 60 days. Um, so we are, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at sites uh, and sort of carving up. So I think it's a, there's a real upside. Mark Stevens, fantastic insights. Thanks so much for, uh, for your time this morning.